Welcome, folks. We are in season three, episode one of the exit interview. Yeah, season three. That's right. That's right. This is wild. Big time. Big time. Yeah, we might just stick around for all this work we're doing. We might just make it out here. That's right. That's the goal. Yeah, uh-huh. that is the goal. So tonight we want to welcome Nedra Hall. Nedra and I met each other in uh, 2018, where we were both doing two different, totally different things than we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And she is here to tell us her story. When I reached out to her, she said, oh, yes, my story has to be told. So I am so excited to have you in the space. Welcome, Nedra. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Yes. So Nedra, tell us about your educational journey. You know, like, how did you get to teaching? You know, what made you decide to become an educator? How, how did you get here? And, and you could even go back to um, reflecting on your own educational experiences growing up. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I just remember that I always was one of those kids that wanted to play school. And I always wanted to be the person uh, in charge of the school. So, um you know, that's kind of where my interest in getting into education started. And um, I found myself in education here in Colorado in uh, back in 1992, when I had um, relocated from Colorado Springs here, my ex-husband was in the military. And I came to Aurora Public Schools. I started at Montview Elementary, which is where I spent most of my career, pretty much all of my career, except for two years. Um, I was in Aurora for 26 years, so um, 24 of those, like I said, they were spent at the same school. And during that time, That's some dedication. That's yes. a long time. I know, huh? It, it is. And let me tell you, though, when I uh, called the district to say that I was resigning, I was in tears and talking to the person on the other end. She said, "Well, that." is unheard of nowadays. We don't have too many people that's been around as long as you have. So what's making you leave? And boy, that was the million dollar question for sure. But, um, and I'll get to that. But um, again, I had, uh, I did several roles in APS while I was there. I started out with Title I, uh, Title I paraprofessional. I was an educational, um, educational assistant, did a lot of uh, programs for the schools. Um, and I ended my career in APS, um, in carrying dual roles as a family liaison and a dean. So, um, that's kind of how my, that's kind of been my journey through APS and in education here in Colorado. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I met you, you were a family liaison working mm-hmm. I was there. Doing, yeah. I was doing dual roles at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, for, for um, folks who might not uh, understand the position, can you explain like what the family liaison is and kind of some of your experiences in that position? Sure, sure. Yeah. So a big part of my role was to increase parent engagement uh, in the schools, um, help families advocate for their students in their learning processes and um, provide resources for our, all of the community families network with outside partners and build those uh, partnerships for the school um, that were hopefully sustainable relationships. Um, a lot of them were and some of them weren't, but that was a big, big part of what I did as family liaison. Um, and I really yeah. enjoyed that role. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's important work. I think at our school, um, 
right now that's like one of the big things that we try to do is how how are we connecting with families mm-hmm. um so that's that's really important work so you you said you were at Montview for 24 years yeah uh so people don't usually and then and then you said in Aurora public schools for 26 years yeah I'm not a I'm not a math teacher I'm a social studies teacher but 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 based on what what you're telling me is for 24 years at Montview was pretty 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 good yeah. tell us about what what caused uh you to leave Montview well you know um again when I I, I always loved working at Montview but my last year in Montview we did get uh, a new administrator a new administrative team uh, she kind of brought in her own team, and one of the people that she brought in was basically um, to replace me. And I, I, I got a phone call um, over the summer from the principal to say, "Hey, you know, I just want to let you know I'm bringing in somebody else to do, you know, similar role that you've been doing, but she's not going to replace you. But you know, I'd love for you to support her and train her because she doesn't, you know, she hasn't done this work before, and I know you have this experience." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I just remember in my spirit feeling like that was just such a setup. Just it just didn't feel right because yeah. How in the world, you know, we're in elementary school number one. So behaviors in elementary school are not behaviors in middle schools and high schools. So there's no reason yep. that you would need two deans in an elementary school. There's no reason. Yeah. So <clears throat> I remember I, I went and met with them over the summer, and I just remember there was a lot of eye contact between the ladies and it wasn't like, Oh, like this is a great idea that she has. It was more of, um, I don't know, kind of just kind of really deceitful, I think, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, fast forward to the school year, uh, they really started to put me in positions that I had not been in. Not that I was above any of the work that they asked me to do, but it was how they did it because it was almost like, I'm going to put you in your place and let you know who you are. And that I am in charge and this person's in charge now, and you are not this person anymore. I'm going to put you in your place kind of thing. And uh, I, I just remember that parents, this is totally true story. Parents were, they were coming up to me at you know, morning recess before school started or after school when they would see me and saying, at that time, my last name was still Rudolph. And they said, Miss Rudolph, what, what's happening? What is going on? Um, or maybe I had changed my name, but anyway, um, what, what's happening? What, what's going on? You're doing jobs we've never seen you do before. Why are you outside, mm-hmm. you know, in the mornings? And why are you doing this? And why, are, when I call to say, I have this problem, why aren't they pa- passing me along to you? So parents started to notice this shift, you know, and for me, that was really, um, that was hard because most of the times when those types of shifts happen in schools, parents aren't aware of it. Yeah. When when it spills out into the community, the parents and kids and all of the staff that they are aware that, Hey, this person isn't being treated the same. That's a problem. And, um, and so really I was, I was going to work daily um, that last year, hyperventilating, my husband would take me to work in the mornings and pull over because I couldn't make it to school. That that 10 minute drive would become a 20 minute drive because he'd have to pull over because I'm mm. hyperventilating and crying. And just, it, it was just a really traumatic year for me. And yeah. just, uh, 
you know, just lots of um, negative experiences. Um, relationships that I had established with kids, I felt like they were being undermined. Um, it was it was a lot. I, I experienced and saw a lot that last year. And uh, I had never experienced because I, I mean, I've worked for several principals, as you can imagine, in 26 years. Yep. So at Montview alone, I think I worked for five, six different principals. So yeah, to have an administrator, my office was across from this other woman that they brought in to replace me. My office was across from her. And to see these three administrators standing and gossiping and talking about colleagues that I had worked with for years was like, what is happening? It was, it was heartbreaking. And I knew that if they were discussing other staff members like that, I could only imagine what they were saying about me because I was kind of like really in your face and kind of really pushing back yeah. on a lot of things that they were, you know, doing and, and doing to the school. Cause it wasn't just me. It really was a kind of an internal, um, uh, kind of an upheave because after I left, we lost. The, I mean, Mont, we lost quite a few staff members after I left. So, um, just like I said, just those traumatic experiences really, really pushed me out the door. Um, that treatment I had never received before, and that's a long. T- I mean, you know, Kevin and I we say this so much, right? You talk about your husband driving you to work and that experience, and mm-hmm. we name it name it here on the podcast you know we didn't coin this um, but we talk about racial battle fatigue and we talk about the ways that black folks are experiencing just like you're saying right this hyperventilation Mm -hmm. questioning everything that we do just Mm -hmm. kind of feeling like we just cannot get grounded yeah trying to figure out like how we can navigate this can we leave can we not leave crying like the works like not wanting to go to work but needing to do pay bills or whatever situation or not wanting to leave because you have these relationships with the kids exactly yeah 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 Yeah. so please i mean we kind of hinted hinted to it at the beginning of the podcast but can you tell us about that conversation that last straw where you knew like it's time to call down to central office or whoever and say like it's time for me to go yeah but but what you said, you said, and again, I'm not a math teacher, Asian, forgive me. Mm. <laughs> it, you 24 years, but 26 years. So there were you you left Montview. Right. I um one of the assistant principals that I had worked for previously at Montview had become a principal at another school. And she called and asked me if I would come over and run a program at her school. And so I was there for two years. She left, she retired. Um, and when she retired, I went back to Montview. view. Yeah. yeah. But, um, Asia, back to your question about when I knew when it was the last draw for me. So, um, in 2019, that summer of 2019, Montview had gone through a, um, a remodel and in, in that process of remodeling Montview, yeah, uh, I got a I new office. That. Yeah, I got a new mm-hmm. office. And, you know, it was much smaller than the space that I had been used to working. As a family liaison, you know, I would keep clothes and supplies, school supplies, you name it for families to come in and access coats. And when I got this smaller space, I didn't have that luxury of having things available to families. So we they found another place for me to put those things. And that was fine. Um, 
but it was no longer something that I was kind of in charge of. The other lady kind of took over that. And I was like, okay, fine. As, as long as I know parents are still getting those resources, I'm okay with that. So one day the principal comes to me and she says, hey, are you going to be really mad at me? She says, but I'm going to have to move you out of this office. I'm going to put you in a space that's, you know, down on a primary wing. You're going to share this space with another person. And by the time I moved into the space, the other person had been there. So she, her space was established, you know, she mm -hmm. kind of had her desk and things. And so when they moved me into the office, they put me against this wall that was that backed up to a restroom. And the vent was kind of over where I sat and I could hear everything. I could mm -hmm. smell everything. And my, I, all of my things were in boxes. And I remember when I got to that place, when they moved me and I was sitting there at my desk and I said, you know what? This is my last move. I won't unpack these boxes. I said, I'm out of here. I just knew then because at that point that told me that my position, I wasn't important enough to be given this brand new office with new furniture, that kind of thing. I didn't deserve that. So instead, I'm going to put you in a place where this is what you have all day. People coming in and out. There was no privacy. So if I needed to work with a parent and have some privacy, I no longer had that. Mm -hmm. I no longer had that. And I just knew then I said, I'm out of here because I can't serve families if I'm if I don't have a private space to honor their privacy and their respect, you know, respect them and their stories, what they're coming in with me to, you know, they're coming in to say, hey, I need help with this. I need help. And they don't want everybody in the school to know that. Mm -hmm. But in the office that I was in, there was no door. It was just kind of an open space. And again, like I said, there was a bathroom there. And I, I just knew that was it for me. That was it. Mm. Wow. And, and so you're calling down to HR. You're letting them know you're leaving. They say, we've never heard of this. Yeah. Why are you leaving? And so yeah. what did you say? I could, I could hardly even talk at that moment. I was so upset. And mm. I just said, it's obvious my time here is done. You know, APS is changing. And I don't think I fit in this shift any longer. And she, you know, and the lady did ask, well, is there something else going on? But I, I felt so powerless. I didn't feel that I could be 100% transparent without it uh without there being consequences for me some type of long-term you know consequences especially if I had ever considered going back to APS mm -hmm. and I did try to go back to APS and of course it was the toughest thing in the world to get back into the district because the principal that um I left under let's be honest like she was the golden girl in APS interesting and, and um we didn't actually get to elect her as our principal. She was supposed to be an interim principal and they just placed her in the position for the year. And, you know, it was just kind of a ripple effect. Once I left, other people start to leave. So, um, but I felt powerless in really saying to her what was happening to me, because even if I had shared everything that had happened to me, because I'm probably giving you guys the most condensed version because, you know, our time restraints. But um, did I even have somebody that could be my advocate, somebody that was my ally in the district? And at that moment, you know, after 26 years and feeling like I'm being pushed out, I didn't feel like I had that support, you know? Um, so, yeah.
Wow. Yeah, that that the fear of retaliation is so yeah. real. It's very real. Yeah. And I think especially for educators of color, especially, yeah. I feel like it's really a thing for us because you know, like I said, we don't always know who our allies are and if we even have true allies, because that's right. Let's be honest, like the, the new principle that they put into place at Montview was a woman of color, African-American woman, but she was also a biracial woman. And mm-hmm. so I feel like she could easily, because, you know, she had the look, right? She had, she had the look, yeah. so she could easily assimilate and do whatever she needed to do to fit and she could cold switch and it would be okay you know what I mean like I don't have mm-hmm. that flexibility of codes which is I can take this wig off I'm gonna still be a black girl you know it's, it's what it is I don't have that where I can go back and forth and people are gonna look at me differently because this is how I sound this is how I look you know I have this nose like there's I don't have those alliances in APS like she really had some strong alliances and I knew that trying to get back into APS was probably going to be tough for me because she was probably angry in the way that I left also you know so yeah can you tell us about how you left did you not wait till the end of the year I did not I I was out of there at the end of January because I could not I could not see myself staying an entire year I couldn't imagine what was going to happen to me what more would I have to withstand if I stayed mm-hmm. the remainder of the year you know mm-hmm. um basically like like I, I think I mentioned this earlier I felt like relationships that I had established with kids because remember I had also I had been doing the work of the dean for some years before they came in and brought this you know white woman in to do the work of the dean who of course really didn't do much because, you know, she had that white saviorism going. So discipline became, you know, let the kids come in my office and play in a big box and feed them cookies and candy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt like I would see kids in her office, in her space, and I would say something to them and basically get the door closed in my face. So they couldn't directly tell me, don't talk to this kid, but there were other things to keep me from talking to kids and to keep me from doing the things that I had done, using the strategies that I had used forever to get those kids back to a place where they could go and work in the classroom. They didn't want me to do that at all. And so it it, it was craziness, craziness. It's, it's uh, you know, we, we'd like to say it surprises us, but it doesn't. We've heard, mm-hmm. you know, it fits a pattern that we've seen over and over again. Um, and so, um, we, we, we just are so happy you're here to share your story and we're going to take a break here and then we will come back and hear the rest of your story, Nedra. Awesome. All right. So we're back and, uh, at the break, I brought up something that I think I want to sh- talk about more. And is that's the conversation of colorism um, and the conversation of what happens when we put Black folks in positions of power um, in school districts um, and administration roles um, and how they are capable of still harming Black folks, right? Um, 
I say this all the time. And if you've listened to this podcast, if you know me in the streets, I've said this to you. Every Black person in Selma didn't march, right? (laughs) Every Black person, some Black folks say, you know, I got a good job. I got to do my thing. I'm just going to keep my head down and continue to harm Black folks, right? And in order for white supremacy culture and education and in general to exist and around this strong train that it's running on, it needs Black people to keep being silent or or oppressing other Black people. Mm-hmm. So when you said, Nedra, like this person they brought in, that she is a biracial woman, that she has her uh, white counterparts talking about you in these ways and other people in yeah. these ways, it's not surprising. No, at all. No. And like I said, the the team that she brought in, you know, they were two white women and, you know, it was, she, I felt like she fit in with them a lot more than she did with me and the other uh, few black educators that were in that school at that time. You know, um, our, our relationship with her was very different than what it had been with our previous principal, you know, Mia, and Mm -hmm. uh, it was very different. And Mm -hmm. I knew that Mia was my ally. I knew that I could go to Mia if I had concerns, if I was being mistreated or anything like that. But I no longer had that when I got the new principal. So, yeah. Yeah, that's super hard. Mm -hmm. And it's so unfair. And I just, I mean, I'm looking, I'm, we're, you're live, like I live and I can see your face and like so much I can see, like you, sometimes you're like right there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, I'm, I'm so glad you're sharing this. And I feel like, you know, this has been years now since you've left the yeah. school district and the pain is still there, but I oh, really yeah. appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah. Um, for other people. Right. Because again, like I've said before, plenty of times people say well but if it's this it's not just everybody it's just this district it's if they went over here to this place if they were only they weren't teaching long enough they were right like all these reasons Mm -hmm. and the truth is like we're talking to people all over the country who have similar experiences kevin always says this when we when we get off the call with people like it's the same story yeah right it's the same story yeah and so if, I mean, I'm going to ask the question that <laughs> I have to ask it every time is just thinking about your lived experience working in rural public schools, thinking about working with children and families and educators, other educators for 26 years and like all the things you've seen, the people that have come and go, what do you think administrators districts unions can do to keep black folks in education spaces if you think that there's a strategy that's a tough question it's a good question and i'm not sure that i know the answer to that i mean because as people of color we are constantly dealing with you know the microaggressions and the other direct blatant um, forms of bias on a daily basis. And I I think, I don't know if it's the district that can offer it uh, to put together support groups for us and have safe spaces to come together and talk about it. I don't know if that's the district or if that's just 
as teachers, as educators, as parents, all those folks that are involved in the daily uh, operation of school, I think it's just, it, it really kind of falls on us to develop those safe spaces, create those opportunities for us to come together and uh, kind of reflect on what's happening to us, um, what's being directed towards us, those types of things. I, I, I don't know that the districts could actually offer what we need. I really don't because the people that in most states, you know, they aren't, they, they, they don't look like us, you know? Yep. And so I don't know that they can actually give us what we need um, or if they're going to fully give us what we need. You know, I think a lot of times and, you know, not just in schools, but in any place that, you know, people of color are often offered um, just kind of a little bit you know, I'm giving you a little bit on the spoon, but I'm not going to give you everything that you need. I'm just going to give you mm -hmm. a little bit to somewhat appease you, but I'm not going to give you really what you need to allow you to move forward, to grow, to, you know, have opportunities. I'm just not going to give you everything that you need. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's so real. Um, I don't know who said this, and Kevin, you might know. You're so well read. It is like, what is it? No one is going, I'm going to butcher this. No one's going to give you the education you need to free yourself. Um, something like that. And I, I, you know what I'm talking about? I, hear, I, 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 I know the quote. I can't remember who, who said it, but yeah, I get, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Basically like that. Why would a school district give us a space to empower ourselves to leave? Right. Or to yeah. have voice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, Just. I, I don't mean, see it happening. And, and the fact that they don't I mean, they don't understand what we need. And and, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's just to, to be allowed to to be treated with respect and dignity, as in your case, you know. It sounds like you have moved on and, uh, you know, you made that difficult decision. We know how hard it can be. Mm -hmm. uh, but now that you left the classroom, what are you doing now? So I am working at Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum. I work in their education department. Um, I am edu uh, education program coordinator there, and uh, it is uh, allows me to still stay close to education because we do have a small like it's an enrichment program but it operates just like a school so it's for kids who are interested in um aviation and careers in aviation and aerospace nice. and um so I, I i still get to be close to kids um and i still get to be close to education because we still work with some schools we partner with some schools and bring in programs but um yeah, so that's that's where I am now. So, it, like I said, it keeps me close to kids in education. Oh wow, that's great. Um, I always often when I when I fantasize about uh, leaving the classroom, sometimes I'm like, you know, it'd be kind of cool because I'm always like, I'm I'm good at kind of teaching and and I and I love being involved with education, but I always fantasize about working like in the educational wing of mm -hmm. a museum because yeah. I know there's always tours coming in. 
you know, and, and, and there's, you know, field trips, which are the best things yeah. about school. So if you could help facilitate that. So that's, that's great that, you know, um, and it seems like Asia, that's another commonality. I think people can mark that on their bingo cards is people finding ways to, to continue to do the things that they love yeah. even after they've left the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go where the kids are. Yeah. I get f- more and more as we were heading into winter break, people are finding me and saying like, can I just talk to you? I, I'm ready to leave. Yeah. What, what can I do? Um, and I don't, for me, entrepreneurship was the thing that I chose, but for other people, it is they still want to be working for others or in some capacity, which is totally, that's awesome. And I always say, go where the kids are. Yeah. Big brothers, big sisters, YMCA. Like you're saying, there's so many places where yeah. youth are showing up and they need folks who've been in education to be a part of that conversation, mm-hmm. right? And you can still do that work. I know a lot of folks say, I want to do DEI work. Go where the children are, mm-hmm. right? Yep. There's yeah. so many orgs here that 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 need us in those spaces, and specifically Black educators yeah. in those spaces. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. And our last question, my favorite question, Kevin, I want you to ask it today. <laughs> the, the the greatest question, I think, um, the question we all want to in twenty and twenty twenty three, we want to focus more on this question. Yeah. What is bringing you joy, Nedra? I think what brings me joy is that I still, like I said, I still get to work with kids every day. I I still am able to be in a place that actually recognizes my talents mm-hmm. and allows me to, you know, uh, use those talents and skills in a way that's beneficial to the students that we serve every day. Um, I still get to see those school kids come in. That brings me joy. You know, when you talk about the field trips and I see teachers and Mm -hmm. I see teachers with that one struggling kid and I can go over and offer a little bit of support in that moment. Like those things still bring me joy. And, And it brings me joy that I was able to walk away with my head held high and I, I have no regrets. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love that last part that walk in the joy of that feeling, right? <laughs> the joy the joy of having your dignity and, and knowing where you set the line and, and what you said you would, would and would not stand for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for us as black people Mm-hmm. and black educators you know um so yeah asia your thoughts yeah i was just gonna say that was a perfect way to end it like the the head held held high i i think that i've been hearing more and more folks are wanting to leave education but they're afraid that people are going to talk about them negatively oh. if they leave oh. yeah they're yeah, going to do mean- all these Go ahead. Yeah, you know how it is, though. It's like when you leave a job or any place, you feel like the outsider, like your friends who were your friends at work, they no longer want to talk with you or anything. Like you've done something so terrible and so wrong for advocating for your health and for your peace. Mm. And um, for me, I'm sorry, I'm tearing up, but it really was about advocating for my health and peace, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that matters right? Um, 
Yeah, it's it's it has to be you first. Yeah, for sure. It has to be yeah. you first. A lot of us, we want to stick in there. We want to do the thing. The principal needs me. Yeah. The such and such needs me, and they'll go. Yeah, they'll oh, leave. They- they'll retire. They'll and you're exactly. there still. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because when I really reflect on my career, when I really think about it, there are probably times that I should have gone a long time ago. Because remember, you don't just get those microaggressions from the administrators. You also get them from your colleagues. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I think about all of the things that I endured throughout those 26 years, I probably should have gone a long time ago. But your commitment, like you said, to your principal, to the school, to the kids and to the families, those things really kept me because I loved Montview Elementary School. Yep. I loved the demographics that I worked with. I loved everything about the family. So for me, it was like the kids and the families, like they really kept me going. You know, um, I felt like I was with my family when I was with those families. Right. So um, but when I think about like when I really reflect over my career and think about some of the things that I endured during that time, I'm like, dang it, I, was, I, I stayed. I put up with that. I allowed that to happen, you know. And um, and I forget, you know, what I forgot to mention was one of the things that happened to me that last year, they did a survey um, with the staff. And of course, I, I didn't get to be a part of it. I didn't get to participate in it. It was just for everybody else. And mm-hmm. the things that the things that were said on the survey from people that I've, like I said, been colleagues with forever in the day and people that I thought were my friends. Yeah, it was. And they let me see the results. Of course. Of the, you know, very divisive, right? They let me see the results. The the staff did not know that I would see the results. And I did see the results of that that survey. And um, that was another thing that kind of broke me. And I, and I knew then, I was like, it's time to go. You know, because people won't say those things to you directly. They don't share those things like, yeah, I don't like the way you did this or that. They don't share their concerns, but you get them the opportunity to hide behind a survey. And it's like you you see things that you would not believe. And so mm-hmm. that was the other thing that, that really broke me. Yeah, yeah, it was. That survey was rough <laughs> reading the results. And to sit across from these three people, because they read them to me in that meeting I told you about that I had with them. And they were looking at my face like, do you see what they're saying about you? And they said things about um, the former, the previous principal, Mia, also. And I was just like, what is happening? Who who is this? Mm -hmm. You know, some of the answers that you read, you knew right away who it was. You knew right away. Like Mm -hmm. you could almost say, oh, this is that person, that person. And uh, some of them, I was kind of like, who wrote that? So that that made it hard for me to continue to face those people every day because I was literally, I felt like I was walking through the hall saying, I bet she's the one that put that answer. I bet she's the one. (laughs) But again, (laughs) it was driving me crazy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, people no. talk about gaslighting these days, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, as black folks, we we know this all the time because we're told things that it's just us. Uh, we're taking it too yeah. seriously. Yeah. You know, but that I feel like that's that intentional stuff that they do that to try to, you know, hey, like you said, mm-hmm. try to 
to to push us out right yeah. when they when they're tired don't have any use for us anymore don't like the things that we have to say um that's the type of things that happen mm-hmm. and yeah. i've seen it happen i've seen it happen mm-hmm. in my buildings uh that i've worked in and i've heard about it i've heard about it from other folks mm-hmm. yeah they're so real yeah well nedra thank you so much for sharing your story thank you thank you both yeah and we appreciate it I really pray that you're like on the way to healing in your space. And I know this was really tough, um, but know that other educators who come and give us feedback always say like, oh, I heard that episode and this was so good. And this is what I'm going through. So know that it doesn't just fall on to ears that cannot hear your story. We, like, we, yeah. we call out and talk to black educators all the time. And I hope that this was in some way uh, like a healing for you too. It was. For yeah, sure. Awesome. All right, this concludes our uh, first episode of season three of the exit interview. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys.